Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast, where we interview highly successful workplace wellness executives, experts, and entrepreneurs, and learn how they have found success where happiness meets business profitability. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay, and it is my pleasure to introduce you today to Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo. Now, Dr. Lombardo, I am very, very happy to introduce you here. You are known as America's most trusted psychologist. You have trained over 10,000 people in the past couple of weeks alone on the topic of how to deal with our current situation, our current global situation, the pandemic we're in. Dr. Lombardo, it's my pleasure to introduce you. How are you doing today? And where are you right now? I am well, thank you. I am in Chicago, where even though it is May, it is 40 degrees out. Um, <laughs> but pretty soon, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to go outside without our coats and, 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 and boots on. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, it's really exciting to be a speaker in these days when you can't speak in front of people. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously, you know, you are dealing with this situation as are all of the rest of us. Um, sure. You know, I wonder what your, uh, just your initial reaction to where we are today as, as a world. In fact, I don't know if there's been another event, recent event, that has brought the entire world together in quite the same way, to be honest. Right. And if you take a step back and really look at it, it's all humankind, right? It doesn't matter your culture, your, your, your country, your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter. It impacts us all. And, it, you know, to get a little woo-woo if I can, it kind of reminds us that we are all connected, right? And we, we are all the same in many ways. And we are struggling, you know, our specific picture looks differently, but the themes are very consistent in terms of the things that we're struggling with. Um, and in a way, I think it's, I don't want to say it's nice to see, but it's, it's a good reminder that we are all individuals. And as that, we are all brothers and sisters to be able to come together and say, how can I help you? How can I help myself? Which then I can help you even better. Wow. Such, such powerful words. And I, I, I am personally really connected to those words because I recently put out a song called We Are Love that has exactly the same message that, that you've just articulated. And I'm sure it sounds much more eloquent than the oh, way that no, 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 no. It's, it's, just, it's just that this is really a time where we all have to realize what you've said. We are one. We are love. Yeah. Um, and it's not woo-woo, it's the truth, <laughs> you know. But it's woo-woo for some people, but, but I, well, think, you know, yeah. I think that there's, there are some silver linings in all of this, and there's a lot of tough stuff, so I'm not minimizing that at all. I do think that there are some silver linings, and I think that's going to be one of them, is, is, is people seeing more commonalities than distances, people realizing we all struggle. Um, and that's okay. And what are you going to do when you realize that you were struggling or a loved one are struggling, a colleague is struggling? How can we all help each other? Yeah. You know, that's, that's actually the key question I want to lead to. But before we do that, which is the, the question of how do we deal with where we are today? But before we do that, I would really love to know what puts you on the path to the massive success that you are today. I mean, do you have some defining moment or some fun stories from your past that really puts you on the path you are today? So I started my career as a physical therapist. 
um, I was a practicing PT. I loved being a physical therapist, um, you know, helping people get out of pain and learn how to walk after a stroke, all that good stuff. And I had a patient who changed my life forever. Um, and he, he was a, a gentleman who had had a surgical amputation for diabetic complications, unfortunately not an uncommon experience where I was. And he came down, I'll, I'll call him David, he came down to the physical therapy gym. Let me say that again. He was brought down in his wheelchair in the physical yeah, therapy yeah. gym. And I was like, yay, we're going to teach you how to walk, teach you how to use your prosthetic device, yay, you know, kind of being the cheerleader. And he wanted nothing to do with me. And he screamed at me and he said, can't you just leave me alone? And so we, I sent him back up to his room. And later on, we were doing the, the rounds with the doctors and the nurses and the therapists. And everyone agreed that David was struggling, um, which made sense, right? It was the next statement that changed my life forever. The attending physician, the surgeon who cut off David's leg, said, I'll prescribe him Prozac. Now, there's a time and place for antidepressant medications. I am not saying there isn't. And it just seemed to me at that time that what David also needed was someone to talk to about uh, the loss of his leg, right? The loss of his identity. And it was, it literally was like the heavens opened up and, and they were telling me, Elizabeth, this is your, this is your calling. It's not to be a PT. It's to help people like David dealing with loss. And we don't all deal with the loss of a limb, obviously, but we all deal with loss, right? Loss of a job, loss of a loved one, loss of the life that we thought we were going to have. Mm -hmm. Right now, people are dealing with a lot of loss, a loss of independence, loss of certainty. Um, and so uh, it was right then and there that I realized I needed to get the training to help people like David to be able to cope with whatever life throws at us because life will always throw things at us. Mm -hmm. Happy people, and you know this, happy yeah. people are not people who have nothing wrong in their lives. <laughs> happy people have just as many obstacles as everyone else. Yeah. It's how they deal with them. It's how they interpret them. It's how they interact with the world. Mm -hmm. and, so, um, and so right then and there, I said, okay, this is what I need to do. Now, I didn't realize it was going to take me seven years full time to get that PhD and all the licenses <laughs> and everything. And I'm glad I didn't know. You know, uh, ignorance sometimes is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but that's really what, what got me onto this pathway of getting my PhD in clinical psychology. Then when I was a psychologist, I had a private practice. Uh, things were, were wonderful. And then I had two babies, so I closed my practice, you know temporarily came back. And then my husband and I decided to move. Now, this was way before telemedicine. It was almost, I tell you how old I am, it's almost before cell phones. So therapists didn't work with clients on the phone or, or internet. Mm. I had to say goodbye to these clients who I had already said goodbye to twice. A lot of people go see a psychologist for fear of abandonment. Here I was feeling like I was abandoning them. <laughs> I thought, no, I, I can't do this again. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided to write a book. And the book was called A Happy You, Your Ultimate Prescription for Happiness. Now, as I was writing the book, and I know you've written several books, um, I learned a little statistic that you probably know, which is the average book sells less than 250 copies uh, its first year. And given how much you know, blood, sweat, and tears I put into this, and given the fact that I was going to have my mother and my husband buy at least a couple dozen, I realized I needed to actually develop a platform, yeah. right? And this was before social media. So how to speak on stage, how to get on TV. With the understanding, I was scared to death to speak to a group bigger than three. Wow. I had complete stage fright. So I had a lot of internal work to do first, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. I had to learn the skills of how to do it, and then I was able to teach. Um, and, and for me, my motto has, has been since then, helping people before they need the proverbial shrink couch 
Why wait until we have full-blown depression or we're on the verge of, of a divorce to address these issues? Let, what can we do proactively to be happier as opposed to have less depression, right? Mm -hmm. to, to be engaged in our relationships as opposed to waiting until we're almost ending them. Mm -hmm. And so that's really been my, my mission and my passion. Wow. You know, and, and since these seven years and all the work that you've put in, you've been on CNN, you've been interviewed on ABC, TEDx, you've got articles in Men's Health, Success Magazine, Good Housekeeping, Psychology Today. We could go on and on and on. So I am so uh, grateful, you know, to see an example, and I think everyone should be, that hard work, perseverance, and trusting your, your instincts really does pay off. So thank you for that. And that's, that, you know, it is true. We all, we all have something within us that says, yeah. this is what I want to do. This is that. And it's that secret that maybe you haven't told anyone. Yeah. There's a reason why you have that. Mm -hmm. I've been on the Today Show 20 times about, plus or minus a couple, I don't know how many yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, and people are like, how did you get on the Today Show? Did you have, you know, did you know someone? I pitched the Today Show two years. Wow. I knew no one. I had no connections. I had minimal experience, but I kept pitching and I kept pitching and I kept pitching. Finally, they had me on. And after that, within the next year, I think I was on like eight times. Wow. So it really is about focusing on what you want, creating mm -hmm. an action plan, and no does not mean never. Mm. No means not today. <laughs> no. No. Could be tomorrow. Okay. No means, uh, let's see what else you got, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so, so here we are, you know, you are serving the world. Tell us a little bit um, more about the people you serve, the groups, the businesses you serve, and how you serve them. Perhaps you use methodologies in your current book. What, who are the people you serve? What challenges do they have? And how do you serve them? Yeah, so I've, I've moved away from kind of a clinical practice to more coaching and going into the business and the corporate world. So I work with uh, corporations, I work with entrepreneurs, organizations. And it's, it's funny because until seven weeks ago, I had to convince people that dealing with stress is really important for work, right? <laughs> I had to convince people, you know, it's important to learn the skills of how to be resilient in order for you to be effective in your workplace. I don't have to convince anyone of that anymore, right? Yeah. People are realizing because they are struggling and they're realizing how what's going on up here impacts what goes on out here. Yes. So my, I have a um, workshop and a keynote that I talk a lot about. It's called Leadership from the Inside Out because literally everything that goes on up here impacts what goes on out here. Yeah. If you want to change anything out here, your relationship, how much money you're making, how you're doing in the, in the workforce, you must, must start here if you want lasting change. Mm. Um, and so that's really what, what I help people do. I, I have a technique I call NRT, neuroregenerative training, which allows people to literally rewire your brain so that your thoughts become automatic. And there's no electroconvulsive therapy. It sounds really kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about it, every thought that we have are just neurons firing in a certain, a certain pattern, mm -hmm. right? And, and so... Um, I don't know, if I said ABC to someone, a lot of times people are going to start singing the ABC song, right? Yeah, it just yeah. becomes spontaneous. But you didn't come out of your mama's womb singing the ABC song, no. right? That, that's just automatic. And it's because your, your brain has been rewired by that. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you teach people to do affirmations. Like, I believe in myself. I mean, how many times have you done that, right? When yeah. people say, I believe in myself. And then another part of you is like, no, I really don't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's more than this superficial, but it, it's literally changing your subconscious and your automatic thoughts so that they become what you want them to. Mm -hmm. And everything, everything that goes on in our mind is learned. And anything learned can be unlearned and relearned. I, my grandmother, 
she was a bad old woman. I loved her to pieces. And she was by training a psychiatric nurse. So like most of us in mental health, she was a little kooky. But she also was an incredible piano player. Wow. And even though she never graduated from university, she taught a course in college that she called How to Play the Piano Despite Years of Practice. Despite mm -hmm. Years of Practice. So what she'd do is she would work with her students. She would get rid of the habits that didn't work. She would teach them the habits that did work, and then they would practice them. And as you can imagine, if you get rid of what doesn't work, you learn what does work and you practice it, you, you mm -hmm. can't help but get better. Mm -hmm. So her students, if they followed her protocol, could not help but get better at the piano. I like to think I help people be happier despite years of practice um, because they are just skills. And when you can apply the skills to rewire your brain, everything changes. Wow. You know, you can't even imagine how many points you touched there that are personal, personal for me, right? Music, for example. Um, your concept of uh, neuroregenerative training is brilliant. I love that. You know, and then you, the example you used, um, how, you know, we learned ABCs through the, the twinkle, twinkle little star thing, right? That to me, that's actually my practice. You just defined what I try to teach people because, you know, the whole idea of, you know, using something like music which is naturally wired into our brains to create the associations of other learnings. How powerful is that? So I just want to honor your, 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 your grandmother. Was it your grandmother you said? My grandmother, yeah. It was your grandmother. That's just powerful. Now, since we're talking about fundamentals and habits and, and skills of happiness and success, do you have a favorite list? Maybe one, two, three, four, five skills that you think people should focus on first in order to begin to move toward a path of, I think, the kind of wholeness that you teach. Do you have a favorite list? Well, so I have something that I call the true success formula. And the mm. true success to me, after working with clients for over 20 years, is, is more than how society defines success, right? It's, it's not how you look or how much money you're making your job title. I work with clients who are household names who are extremely unhappy, right? So it's not those external things, but it is three different ingredients. Mm -hmm. It's passion, which I define as, as positive energy, even during challenging times, <laughs> like right now. Yeah. It's purpose, having meaning in our life that we integrate into our everyday lives. And then it's people. We are social beings. And so how do you optimize relationships with others? And when you have those three variables, and there are specific strategies and skills within each one of them, but when you can really focus on those three variables, everything in life changes, right? For me personally, since I started applying this, I went from being this overly perfectionistic, oh my gosh, I can't stand in front of a camera because I might not see the right thing, <laughs> to being like, hey, it may come out not perfectly, that's okay, we're having a conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, having purpose, why are you here? There was an interesting research study. They asked participants to document every 15 minutes how they were spending their time. Um, mm. So every 15 minutes, a, a buzzer would go off, they, they write it down, and it was, this uh, study was supposed to go on for several weeks. They had to end it early. And they had to end it early because the participants became almost depressed. And they became almost depressed because they looked at how they were spending their time, <laughs> and what was important to them, and there was no relationship. And I think, especially right now with what's going on, you know, finding some purpose in our lives is really, really powerful. Um, and then, you know, again, people, how can we optimize our relationships with others? Uh, no one can read your mind, and we're <laughs> glad about that, really. Um, and so how can you be assertive? How can you pull out the best in other people so that you can all, you know, coexist and, and, and have a, a happy life? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting um, that we are all in this COVID-19, let's just call it that, this situation where we are all forced 
to re-examine our lives, our businesses. We have, we have some time now to think, right? Every day it's been this automatic, get in the car, get on, get on the train. But now we, can, we, we have to think. What advice do you have for people who, and, and, and another thing I want to say actually before I ask you this question is, not everyone is experiencing the COVID-19 situation the same. Some people are actually doing quite well. They're making lots of money. <laughs> They're very successful. Other people are completely devastated. And there's this huge gap in between. So I know it's a big question, but I still want to ask you, how would you advise people to bring, for example, passion, purpose, and relationships into this situation we call COVID-19 and survive it? How do we do that? Yeah. So, you know, when we're faced with a challenge, any challenge at all, we always have two options of a strategy. One is problem focused. How are we going to change the problem? And that tends to be what people really concentrate on a lot. So right now it's, it's it, you know, if it's financial problems, how can I make money? If it's health problems, how can I stay healthy? Changing the problem itself. And that is very important. There's a whole other strategy that people often forget, and that's emotion focused coping. How can you change your emotional reaction to it. And it's really vital that we use both of those because there's a lot of helplessness right now. There's a lot of, uh, there's nothing I can do. I'm stuck because of the virus. I'm stuck because of the regulations. I, I, you know, I'm stuck because of my job situation. And what I would encourage people to do is to ask the question, what can I do? And, and I'll, I'll bring in a personal example because I know sometimes hearing, hearing me say that's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So my husband, the love of my life. We have been together for over half of my life. <laughs> About five years ago, was diagnosed with a fatal diagnosis. And in fact, the Mayo Clinic said, um, go home to prepare. <laughs> there was no, try this treatment. Maybe this might help. Here's an experiment. We don't know, but give it a try. None of that. So we came home uh, a little shocked, as you can imagine, yeah. feeling helpless. And then we asked the question, what can we do? And that led us on this whole road of, of working with different healthcare uh, practitioners, different medical doctors to look at alternative treatments. He became significantly better. So we got a lot out of that. His health has been declining. And actually for the past three years, he's been, he's traded on a ventilator. So he has a machine that breathes for him. He's at the house. And so we focused on problem focus. How can we change the situation? And we're also very focused on emotion focus. How can we enjoy every day? Because I don't know how many more days we have left, right? And so how can we be present? We have two children. And so how can, as a family, we enjoy our time together? How can we really focus on the love that we have for our friends and family and, 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 and enjoy this time, even though it's difficult? So again, that's that problem focus. How can we change the situation? And the emotion focus, how can I change my emotional reaction to it? And when you use those two, instead of feeling helpless, you feel very empowered. And... <laughs> Do I wish he could walk around and be healthy? Yeah. I mean, he's completely paralyzed. That's not where we are right now. So instead, and, and don't get me wrong, there are times when they're crying sessions and everything, but, but you know, in general, we really focus on how can we enjoy this time right here and right now. And so hopefully most people aren't going through something like that. But again, we're all going through issues. So the question is problem focus. What can you do to change it? And emotion focus, how can you change your emotional reaction so it's not so overwhelming? So it's not like you can't get out of bed because you feel you know, so depressed or so overwhelmed or so anxious. And sometimes we can do that on our own. Sometimes we need some help. And, and I keep sharing this with people. Getting help is a sign of strength. Yeah. It is much easier to say, mm, I'm not going to get help. I should figure this out on my own. 
getting help, calling someone, whether it's a therapist, a coach, a, a clergy person, a friend, whatever it is, that takes a lot of strength. And I really encourage people to take that strength right now. Wow. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure how, how to express my own emotional reaction to what you shared, but I, I just want to wish you, your husband, and your entire family well as you struggle through these realities. And, and they're unique for all of us. Um, so <laughs> anyone listening, uh, COVID-19 is bad, but you know what? <laughs> You're right. We can, we can look at things as they happen to us, but we can also look at how we respond to those things. And it's really the combination of, of those two efforts. Thank and you so much. That's really the key of it, right? I had a, I had a client uh, when I was a, doing my postdoctoral training, I was at a, a major medical center in Dallas, Texas, and it was a trauma unit where people would come in after an accident. And as a psychologist in the ER, I, would, I didn't do any of the medical stuff, but I would help people deal with what they were struggling with. Yeah. I had a client come in who is an electrician and he had um, he had been working on a, a wire or something that was supposed to be in or supposed to be turned off but it was quite active and burned him so severely that the doctors gave his his wife two options he dies or we amputate both of his arms and he may live oh <laughs> so the amputation occurred. He literally had no arms. And here I am. I'm, I'm brand new in my career. Just got the letters after my name. And I remember I was about to go into his room. I'm wearing my white coat, right? I'm about to knock on the, the wood door. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do for this guy? Of course he's helpless. Of course he's hopeless. Of course he's depressed. Now, <laughs> granted, that's not really what you want your strength to be thinking before they come <laughs> to you. This was early in my career. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now I would have handled it differently. But yeah. I distinctly remember knocking on the door, opening the door, and there was Roger. And <laughs> Roger was a very tall man, and I'll never forget it. Lots of thick brown hair and a thick brown mustache. And he was wearing you know, that hospital gray-blue gown that no one looks good in. And, yeah. in, and he had no arms, and he was smiling. Mm. And, I, and I thought, oh, my God, he's delusional. <laughs> but he wasn't delusional. I mean, he didn't think his arms were going to grow back, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what was different from what I expected of him was his focus was on the fact that he had, his life had been saved. And he was mm. so convinced that he was on this earth still for some reason. He didn't know what it was, but he knew it was big. He knew it was powerful and he was excited to figure it out. It still gives me goosebumps. I mean, this is like 20 years ago, but that's where his mindset was. And I remember distinctly thinking, I wish I was that happy. It actually was what spurred my um, writing a book on happiness. Cause I was like, this guy could be this happy. Yeah. I got, I got arms, right? I'm all <laughs> um, but but it, it's such a great example of that. It really is not our circumstances. Mm. It's, it's how we interpret them. It's what we do with them. And the beauty of that is we can't control the people. We can't always control what goes on, but we always have control over here. And when we learn the skills and apply the skills that work, you cannot help but change your mindset so that it's more helpful for you. You know, you, you mentioned earlier the idea of, that internal focus, right? Um, that, that focus on what you can do uh, moving forward. You know, and, and now you're talking about my favorite topic again, happiness. But not everyone really listens to what you've just said or, or the, the topic of happiness and sees the connection between, yeah, yeah between happiness and, and, you know, and, and real business success. They, some people think it's fluff. How would you explain for people the concrete connection between the pursuit of happiness, the things you write about in your book, the, all the mental and emotional focus that you've mentioned, and outcomes, business outcomes, for, for those who may be skeptical. Sure. Well, I mean, we can start with physical health. We know that happier people are, become less ill, and we know that they live eight to 10 years longer. 
there's great research out of Harvard that shows that happier employees, for example, have what a 27% increase in, in sales, 21% uh, increase in productivity, healthcare utilization significantly lower. Uh, people who are happier tend to are more likely to get a, um, a job promotion. See, a lot of times we think all of those things are I'll be, when I get the promotion, I'll be happier. When I yeah. make more money, I'll be happier. The other way when around. Happy, yeah. I'll be happier. But the research shows it's exactly the opposite. Yeah. When we are happier, we're able to, you know, we, we become more, um, more engaged, for example. We become more productive. We can become more focused because of what happens in the stress brain? And I always think of happiness and, and distress as being kind of opposite. A distressed brain and distress is any negative, any emotion we don't want, right? On discontent anger, frustration, guilt, shame, all of that goes in the distress pile. When, and if you think of distress going from zero, not at all, to 10 out of 10, like if it's anger, you're yelling, right? Mm -hmm. When we're at high levels of distress, which means we're low levels of happiness, our brain actually functions differently, mm -hmm. right? Because when we're in a low level of, of, of distress, when we are happier, we use more of our frontal lobe, right? That structure that differentiates us from other animals. Mm -hmm. It allows us to engage in problem solving and perspective taking and executive functioning. Right. So when we are in that low level, we we're more empowered. We're more problem solving. We're more like, OK, there's an obstacle. How can I overcome it? Right. And yeah, we've all yeah. experienced that before. But as we get higher on the distress scale, our perspective narrows. Mm -hmm. Right. And we focus when we're in the high levels of distress, low levels of happiness. We focus on what's wrong. We focus on the problem. We, we feel like a victim of our circumstances. And there's a biological reason for it, because when we're in that red zone at a seven out of ten or higher, we're using more of the limbic system. Mm -hmm. Right, that emotional reasoning, that fight or flight. And that's not 100% rational thinking. In fact, I always tell my coaching clients, if you're at a 7 out of 10 or higher on the distress scale, mm -hmm. don't let anything out of your mouth. Because that's <laughs> when we say things we later regret, right? Yeah. And don't put anything in your mouth because that's when we consume things we later regret. So, so our brain functions differently when we're happy as opposed to when we're overwhelmed with, with, with stress. And, and again, I mean, the, re the research is the research. It's simply facts. Um, right. You know, people... People who are happier perform better. Yeah, no, and you know, on that note, I I want to I don't want to hear from you because I, you know I don't want to say it myself, but I want to hear from you. If anyone is listening, um, the idea of being happy is not a magical switch you turn on. It's actually a skill you develop and practice. Am I right? Absolutely, and I say that. That's funny. I say it all the time because <laughs> people sometimes will say to me, "Well, isn't happiness a choice?" And I say, "Well, happiness is a choice if you know how to do it. Like yeah, if I." Yeah a great golfer okay but i've never picked up a golf club so i'm probably not gonna be like great yeah. but if i to be a great golfer and i get trained and then i practice the training yeah i could be a, certainly a better golfer yes. right it, it is absolutely a skill and and here's the thing <laughs> I, I mentioned before you know how to be happy despite years of practice and playing off my grandmother's thing the majority of people out there have tried to be happy in ways that aren't effective and mm -hmm. that's why the belief is i can't be happy Right? They get on this hedonic treadmill of, you know, when I, when I achieve these external things, if I, you know, get this job promotion, if I lose 10 pounds, if I get married, if I get divorced, you know, then I'll be happy. And yet, once we achieve those external experiences, if our mindset is I have to be happy according to external events, we just look for the next one. We look for the next one. We look for the next one. Yeah. It's not to say that external events don't bring us happiness. They certainly can. Mm -hmm. But the core to happiness really starts from within. Right? I mean, how many people think, well, you know what? If I won a million dollars, I would be happy. Yeah. I know a lot of people who got more than a million dollars who are uh, miserable. And then I hear people <laughs> say, I'd love to be able to try. 
I understand that. But again, and, and you know the research, you know, when people um, win the lottery, their happiness increases, it peaks at six months, and then it goes right back to where it was before. Yep. Ironically, same thing with something like a spinal cord injury. Happiness decreases, it levels, and then it goes right back to where you were before. Wow. So our happiness is a set level until we learn the skills to change it. Wow. And, and, and those skills and the practice of those skills can eventually get you off of, I love what you said, the hedonic treadmill. Thank you for sharing that. In <laughs> fact, it's really interesting. You know, we, we, I could learn from you for, for hours here, literally, but, but, and, but there's a reason why someone like Shaquille O'Neal considers you his head coach of happiness, right? You are the authority on this. And I'm so happy that you've shared some of your wisdom with us. How can people reach you if they want to learn more, buy your books, connect with you? Or maybe you have, maybe have you on as a virtual speaker in this new COVID-19 world. <laughs> yeah, right. How can people reach you? Speaking, it's funny because I always have the same background. I'm like, I got to get a different background because I'm on you know, today's show here and I'm on podcasts here. <laughs> Um, yeah, so elizabethlombardo.com, elizabethlombardo.com. And right now, uh, we talked before about how high levels of distress kind of prevent us from being happier. Right now, I'm offering a freebie at elizabethlombardo.com slash relax. Elizabethlombardo.com slash relax. And it's just some relaxation trainings that can help us get out of the red zone, that can help us really maintain a lower level of stress. Uh, they're also great if you need to, um, having trouble falling asleep, they can get you into that peaceful place so that you can get into a good night's sleep. Wow. I will be sure to share not only the, the website and the LinkedIn uh, uh, link, but also the relax, um, in, in the, in the, uh, the, the relax offer in the show notes. Now, as we wrap up and saying goodbye, what are you most excited about that you want to share um, and, and just want to share with the world right now? What's really getting you going right now? Well, <laughs> to geek out, I mean, what's really getting me going is all these businesses and corporations that are that are hiring me to to be able to train their employees again before they need the proverbial shrink couch i, I just was reading on cnbc and i'm a, a huge proponent of this it's 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 not just an ethical obligation mm -hmm. for companies to be doing this it's 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 going to help their business and so i mean because to me when you learn these skills it's helpful in the here and now but it's helpful forever because we never know what life is going to throw at us. And so if we have the skills now of how to deal with stress, of how to be happy even during difficult times, then we bring those skills with us everywhere we go. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Lombardo, for just gracing our show with your wonderful wisdom. And I hope everyone will go to your sites and connect with you. Stay safe and all the very best. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.